Good morning, class. Hi, I'm Keith Moore, and we welcome you to Faith School. Faith School is the place where my spirit is fed, where my faith grows stronger, and where I learn how to be an overcomer. Don't let the enemy convince you that some situation in your life is hopeless. He's, he's always portraying things to be worse than they actually are and more hopeless. With God, nothing's impossible. It can be fixed. I'm telling you. You may say, well, I don't see how. Well, there's a lot of things you don't see. I'm talking about what he sees, what he can do. He can do what you never imagined. But you've, but you've got to break out of this fear and hopelessness and helplessness and unbelief and trust your God. Look to Him with confidence and expectation and you will see a response from the Almighty. He said, you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. You can expect Him to respond to you. Get your Bible, get something to make a note with, come into the classroom, let's release faith today. Father, we thank you. You are gracious. You are kind and faithful and good. You've helped us so many times. And, the, and you who've brought us this far, you'll get us the rest of the way. What we need right now, what we need today, we ask for it. Utterance, anointing, grace, ears to hear it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Look please in the in the Bible again to where we're looking yesterday, Hebrews, the third chapter. Let's continue in our series that we're calling uh, Overcoming Unbelief. We see the, the Lord reminding us in, in Hebrews 3 of what happened with the Israelites who were delivered from Egyptian bondage about how that he said, verse 10, he said, I was grieved with that generation and said, they do always err in their hearts. Now, we've mentioned that faith is a choice and to err means to go the wrong way, to, to go off track or out of the way, error. And um, he said, they always err in their heart. What, what you'll see in our study is that Every time it came to a point where they should have chosen to trust God, they went the other way. They chose to doubt Him and question Him and fear and, and, and yield unbelief. Not just once, but over and over and over and over again. And that ultimately cost them God's plan for their life. Cost them, uh, you know, they were robbed of enjoying Canaan's land. He goes on to say, uh, verse 12, Brethren, take heed, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief 
and departing from the living God. He's saying that could happen to you. Uh, verse, chapter 4, verse 1, let us fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. And there are, sadly, many, many believers who are coming short of what God's plan for is in, in their life. They, they are not enjoying things that the master has bought and paid for. They're not enjoying his goodness in areas that if it was just up to God, that's what would be happening. Now people say, well, no, no, now God is God and he's sovereign and if it's his will, it's going to happen. Well, then everybody will be saved. And yet the Bible says, no, no, they won't. Listen to the prayer the Lord taught us to pray. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, huh? Thy will is already being done on earth. As No, no. He taught us to pray, to ask, and to pray, God, that your will would be done on the earth as it is in heaven. Well, if it's already being done, I don't need to pray that it would be done. If everything that's happening is the will of God, everything that's not happening is the will of God, then why do I need to pray? Why do we need to pray that the will of God would be done? And he said, pray that his will would be done on earth just like it is in heaven. How much crime in heaven? None. Poverty. How many people starving to death in heaven? How much war? How much cruelty? How many people being, you know, destroyed? No. None. How about the earth? There's a difference. Right? Huh? Then how are you going to say all this, all this terrible stuff that's happening down here is somehow the mysterious, unknowable will of God when in heaven you got none of that and the Lord said, pray that his will that's in heaven would be done on earth. He doesn't have two separate wills, heaven and earth. His will doesn't change. What does that show? There's a bunch of stuff happening down here that is not the will of God. Doesn't please him. It's not his will. It's not his plan. And the reason it is, is because we really do have a free will. We can choose to listen to him or not, obey him or not, and most of the planet is choosing to ignore him, not even believe in him, completely rebel against him and disobey him, and so the enemy has free course to steal, kill, and destroy, and he, the enemy, the devil, is actually running most of what's going on down here. But even though you and I are in the world, we're not of the world. And God's keeping us. Right in the midst of all this darkness, somebody say, God is keeping me. My God is keeping me. Go to 1 Corinthians, if you would, the 10th chapter, because it talks about this same thing, about what happened with these uh, the Israelites that God delivered out of Egyptian bondage. And in 1 Corinthians 10... Verse 1, he says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea. They were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual food. 
And they did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them or, or accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. But with many of them, God was not well pleased. What does it take to please God, class? Faith. For they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples. Now let's just stop right here. Was, was God pleased that they were overthrown in the wilderness? No. He, he was displeased with what caused them to get to that place. And then what happened? Why? It wasn't his will. His will was Canaan's land. Skip down to verse 11. Now he mentions several things that they did that you know, exhibited their unbelief. All these things happened to them for in samples, and they're written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinks he stands take heed lest he falls. Other translations bring, bring this out just a little bit different way. The Living Bible says it like this. It says, all these things happened to them as examples, as object lessons to us to warn us against doing the same things. They're written down so that we could read about them and learn from them in these last days as the world nears its end. So be careful if you're thinking, oh, I would never behave like that. Let this be a warning to you, for you too may fall. So should we think about what happened to them? Should we look and see, okay, where did they go wrong? And at every point thinking, I'm not going to do that. By the grace of God, I'm not going to do that. Right? Elsewise, we would be robbed like they were robbed. In, in the Message Bible, it says it like this. Verse 11. These are all warning markers. Danger. In our history books, written down so that we don't repeat their mistakes. Our positions in, in the story are parallel. They're at the beginning we're at the end, and we are just as capable of messing it up as they were. Well, isn't that what we saw in Hebrews? I mean, this is not just an isolated thought. So let's go back and see how they messed up. Not to judge them. They've already been judged. <laughs> this happened a long time ago. What's our purpose in this? To, to keep from making the same mistake. To not, to not let the devil fool us and rob us like he robbed them. You know, when you think about it, Jesus went to extreme lengths to get us salvation. Didn't he? Yes. I mean, as, as he was facing the cross and he was praying in the garden, let this cup pass from me if it's possible, Father. I mean, blood came out of his pores resisting this. And we, we, we saw what happened, you know, in the narrative that portrays it on the cross, but you didn't see what happened in the spirit. It was, it was terrible beyond words. He was made sin with our sin. Well, why? The Bible said uh, the chastisement of our peace was on him, and, and by stripes we were healed, and, and the reproaches uh, you know, fell on him, thing after thing. He even said, you know, he was made poor so that, that we might be made rich. Why? Everything he did was buying us something, was getting us something. What he, he was buying us redemption. 
He was buying us righteousness. He was buying us peace. He was getting us healing. Come on, can you see that? Well, if he thought enough of me to do that for me and pay such a price to get that for me, I need to make up my mind, I'm going to have it. Is that right? I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to experience it. If he did all that to get that for me, I am not going to let the devil trick me into doubting and disbelieving and disobeying so that he can rob me and I don't enjoy what Christ bought and paid for me. Everybody say it, class. I will, will. by the grace of God, God. enjoy enjoy fully fully what the Lord bought and paid for and gave me. Hallelujah. I mean, make up your mind. Now, you, you'll have to have some uh, determination about this because the enemy is crafty. He is a persistent cuss, and he will, just, he will tempt you. He'll push you. He'll try to trick you. But you've got to make up your mind. Uh-uh. Let's just take this one thing. The Lord bought us peace of mind. Hallelujah. He said, peace I give to you, not like the world gives to you. He said, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. Somebody say, he gave me peace. He gave me peace. And yet, how many Christians live most of their life just distracted, worried, anxious, fearful? Can you see, peace belongs to them, and yet they're not living in Canaan's land. Come on, can you see that? They're living in vexation and frustration and torment, not realizing they would think, yeah, it's my kids, though. I have problems with them. It's problems with my job. It's problems with this. Well, see, that's what they thought. It's the giants. It's the walls. No, it's not. What's keeping them out? Unbelief. Oh, it's tricky. It's subtle, which is why you and I are going to examine this thing. We're going to pour over this thing. We're going to pull this thing apart. Come on, you're with me. We're going to look under every part until when unbelief rears its ugly head, we're going to sit and go, uh-uh, I'll see you. i see you. I am not giving one inch of place to you. Why? I don't want to be robbed. And if you're robbed, the people around you are robbed. You know, if you're always upset and fretful and fearful, how much fun is that to be around? Oh, but when you're a rock, when you're stable, when your soul is anchored in God and you got the peace that passes understanding, you're a blessing every room you walk into because you bring it with you. You bring that faith. You bring that joy. Just you walking into a situation brings some calm to it. Just you being there. Why? Because the presence of God is on you. Peace of God is in you and around you. And what? You're simply enjoying what the Lord bought and paid for. You're simply enjoying, you're living in that part of Canaan's land that God planned for you. Go to Exodus, please, the 14th chapter, and let's let's begin to see more of of what this, this thing called unbelief, evil unbelief, that kept them out. But by the time you get to Numbers 14, the Lord said that there were 10 times that they had doubted him and refused to believe him. And it was at that point where he said, okay, 
Turn around. Go into the desert. You're going to get what you've been saying. Sadly, what they had been saying is we're all going to die out here in the wilderness. But God didn't make them say that. He was trying to get them to say something else the whole time. But we should look at these ten times so that we recognize the characteristics of unbelief, know how to resist it. The first one was here. Right after they were delivered from Egyptian bondage, it was after the institution, the night of and morning of the Passover, the first Passover that was ever observed at the Lord's instruction. And the Egyptians uh, thrust them out, uh, asked them to go now because the death of the firstborn had swept across the whole country. And so they did. And they hadn't gone very far because they're all traveling by foot and it's a massive crowd of them with little ones and children and all kind of livestock. And so uh, chapter 14, he told them where to camp over against the sea, the Red Sea. And Pharaoh will say, they're entangled in the wilderness, the land, and it has shut them in. He said, Pharaoh will follow and I'll be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all his host that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. And it goes through telling about it. That's exactly what happened. That Pharaoh gathered his army and they pursued these people. 600 chariots and all the captains of them and all their horsemen and soldiers. I mean, it was, it was a big host. These are, no, these are not small groups. There's some two million of the Israelites plus all their, their flocks and herds. Big, fast group. I mean, if you, if you tried to look over the whole bunch, huge, huge. And Pharaoh, there were, you know, hundreds and hundreds of just chariots and horsemen, plus the horsemen, plus the foot soldiers. Big host. And the Bible said they, they verse 10, when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. Now, endeavor to put yourself in this place. What, what was their response? They were sore afraid. One translation says, exceeding afraid. They, they were terrified. And they cried out, not, not in faith, but in fear. And you can see no, no we, we've already read about the Lord said, they don't know my ways. And they always make their own choice, err in their heart. Why? Have these people seen that God can do miracles? Oh, have they seen? I mean, astounding thing after thing. They saw 10 uh, magnificent signs and wonders in the land of Egypt that got them out. They would have never got out of Egypt without those signs and wonders. And so they know God is real. They've seen it. They know he has awesome power. They've seen it. And yet, when they see the Pharaoh's host coming towards them, when they see, everybody say see, see, see. When, when you see. See, the scripture says, we walk by Faith, what? 
not by sight. Why? Because walking by sight, you can't stay out of fear. Can't. If you just focus on what you see in this world and what you hear and what you feel, you will be gripped with fear. But the scripture goes on to say, 2 Corinthians 4.18, what we just quoted was 2 Corinthians 5.17, we walk by faith, not by sight. Well, just a few verses prior to that, he said, while we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. Because the things that are seen are temporal, are temporary, transitory. But the things that are not seen are eternal. Did, did you hear this? We look not at this, but we look at this. Said out loud, it's a choice. It's a choice. Faith is a choice. Faith is a choice. And what, is it, what, what does it involve? Choosing what you look at and what you listen to. Now, fear will come to all of us. And you haven't lost a battle just because you feel afraid. Fear will come against you. The spirit of fear. You, I mean, it's real. If you see something that's bad and you hear something that's bad, and especially if it's threatening you and yours, I mean, there's almost an involuntary response of just, you know, a feeling of panic or being jarred or, or being shaken but you have not lost a battle. Not yet. Come on, y'all listening? You've just been assaulted. You've been come against spiritually. What's it time to do now? Come on, help me, class. What's it time to do? Fight. The good fight of faith. What does that mean? Resist it. Don't yield to it. Don't lay down. Cry. Feel sorry for yourself. Don't do, don't do that. And don't just look at them and go, how many soldiers is it? Oh, no. How many? Once you know there's a problem, you know enough about that. What do we do? <laughs> huh? Come on, help me out. I need to look at something else. Or I won't be able to get out of fear. If I just keep focusing on the problem, on the lack, on the need, on the danger, you will not be able to avoid the fear. Whatever you feed on is going to grow stronger. You feed your fears. They're going to grow stronger. They're going to grip you until panic seizes you. And, and your mind is, can be paralyzed by fear. So what do you got to do? Starve your fear. Refuse to feed it. Refuse to feed on that anymore. Quit talking about it. Quit looking at it. Quit thinking about it. Yeah, it's, we're not denying that it's there. Yeah, it's there. But I can't get in faith and stay in faith thinking and talking about that. It's a choice. Somebody say, it's a choice. It's a choice. Can I choose whether I'm in faith or fear? Yeah. Why? Because I can choose what I look at, what I think about, what I listen to, what I talk about. And that will affect me. Faith comes by hearing. Is that right? By hearing and meditating and hearing, 
looking at, thinking about, talking about what God has said. What would have been the thing to do the moment you see this giant dust cloud in the distance and you hear the clanging of the armor and the chariots and you know who it is and you know where they're going. They're coming straight for you to kill you and wipe you out. And they're full of hatred and they're, I mean, they are, you talk about somebody now unreasonable with hate. They're full of, you know, they're grieving over the death of the firstborn and, and all of this. And you see it, you know it. Now, what do you got to do, class? What do you got to do? You got to immediately go, what did God say? Come on, help me, class. What, what did God say about this? They got a word. They had a word just right before this. The Lord said, he told them what was going to happen. He told them Pharaoh was coming. Is that right? And he said, I am going to get glory over that whole bunch. That should be something you can stand on. Is that right? It is something you can stand on. And, and, And what kind of God is he? Is he a good God? Is he a faithful God? Is he a powerful God? He got us this far. Did he, did he do all those miracles just to have us slaughtered out here by the Red Sea? That doesn't make any sense, right? Why would he do that? He's not doing that. Then he's doing something else. What's he doing? What he said. He's going to get glory. He's going to get glory over all of them. What you should be saying is, we're about to see a miracle. <laughs> is that right? Which is exactly what... Uh, what was said later, they, they said to Moses, is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out here to die in the wilderness? Isn't this what we told you? Let us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better to serve the Egyptians than that you should die in the wilderness. Yeah, but there's more than two bad choices. Die out here. Serve Egypt. Let's go back and serve Egypt. No, there's a third choice. <laughs> there's another choice. You don't have to pick between either, two, either one of those bad choices. Go to Canaan's land. That's the one. And Moses said to them, fear ye not. What's the first thing he addressed? Fear. The fear. Fear ye not. In other words, quit fearing and stand still. Now this is also translated, be quiet. And see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. For the Egyptians whom you've seen today, you'll see them again no more forever. And the Lord will fight for you, and you will hold your peace. Now you've got a complete picture. God just told you, he's going to wipe them out. You'll never see them again. Is it time to trust God? And he told you, all you've got to do is quit being afraid Quit talking all this, we're going to die out here stuff. Just hush. Be still. Be quiet. Quit this. And watch what God's going to do here. Hallelujah. But can you see the instructions where he's he's trying to get them, stop fearing, stop all this noise, be still. Somebody say, "Be be still, be still, be still, and trust God. Be still and see the salvation of God. And our time's up again. Well, come back next time. We're just getting into this, but we are getting free of unbelief. We'll see you soon back here in Faith School.
Thank you for joining us at Faith School. Class is dismissed for today, but you can watch this and other episodes of Faith School free of charge at faithschool.org. For more information, visit our website or call us at 941-702-7390.